everybody, this is Learen, and you're watching CMS TV. Perfect. <laughs> And what is up, everybody? It is Chris Aiken back with another live edition of Chris Aiken Presents. And that over there is not Eric Farentinos. <laughs> Eric is out on the road. Stephen Piercy is playing a week's worth of dates. And he is out there touring, doing a little touring with Stephen and with uh, Vince Neil. But uh, doing our best Vince Neil impersonations, two fat guys, myself and John Drake. John, how are you, man? I'm awesome, man. How's it going? Good to be here again. It's good, man. Everything is good. And this is an exciting one, man. We're um, we're bringing back the time machine. We're going back in time um, to what I think everybody that is our age thinks is the best time in metal. That time being, of course, when we had the Headbangers Ball, man. It was Fuck yeah. such a great time. And, um, you know, everybody knows the host of that show was Mr. Ricky Rackman, uh, beloved. I don't think I don't think most people really remember the time before Ricky. I don't think most people adopted the Jamie Josta time after Ricky. You know, I think that Ricky's time was the premier time for it. Uh, he is out on the road uh, doing his one-man show, which we are going to find all out all about. He's got a a slew of um, dates that he just added for this thing, and he's been really all over the world promoting it which i'm interested to find out about as well so we're not even going to waste time it's not like a normal show where we dick around for a half hour before we get to it right now we're just going to bring him right on mr ricky rackman ricky how are you man well we're still going to dick around i'm just right. now it's three minutes, so there you go <laughs> well welcome to the show man it's great to talk to you and um I'm going to say before we even talk about what it is, I'm happy to see that you are out there and doing this and telling stories and uh, letting old fucks like us relive our past, man. It's it's very good. It has been, honestly, considering you, you guys have to realize that, you know, 10 months ago, I never did a show. I right. didn't have the inkling of doing this. And this is, I, I, I've said it's, it's not a dream come true because I never dreamt of something so cool. But one of the things that I've noticed is, which is really, really great, is the different ages of people that go to the show. It's not just people of our demographics. It's a lot of people from all ages of all walks of life. And uh, I'm, I'm, I could sit here and tell you this is the greatest time. These shows are so cool. And I love seeing all these people because you've heard every band say it. But I'm telling you, honest to God, truth, sure. I love this. I love this. Well, and, and probably some of the excitement to it is... Now you get to be what you used to talk about. I mean, you're most famous for talking to bands about doing just this. And now here you are as the, you know, the guy in the spotlight now, no? Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, you know, back in the 80s, I ran and humbly, I will call the Cat House the greatest rock and roll club in the world. And the only people that don't think it was the greatest rock and roll club in the world never went there. Right. Um, but people didn't go to the Cat House to see Ricky Rackman. And they didn't watch Headbangers Ball to see Ricky Rackman. You know, they went to Cat House because of the girls or the bands or the atmosphere. And they watched Headbangers Ball because they wanted to see their favorite bands. And then, you know, I went into radio and talk radio and all these different jobs. And this show, when I go out there and I see, like, people there, 
it's like, wow, you guys came to hear me talk. And the show is not what people expect. And the greatest thing is that it's been getting, which I'm even surprised, sort of, that it, it's getting it's getting incredible reviews, like from sure. everybody. And 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 that when it's something that I put 100% in, like there's no writer, no director, no producer, no editor. I wrote the whole thing. So if I'm doing something now that people enjoy, then that really, really makes me feel good. Because I know there was things on Headbangers Ball that people didn't like. And if you didn't like the videos that were played on the show, sometimes that had nothing to do with me. If you didn't like the way I was, okay, then you have that have everything to do with me. But the shows have just been incredible, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm wrapping it up with my final eight shows right now. Sure. Now I heard um, a mutual friend of yours and mine, Joshua Toomey in Nashville, he went to your show and he told me that you had told him ahead of time, eh, it'll be an hour, hour, 15 minutes. And then it was like two and a half hours. <laughs> well, the first show I did was um, in Charlotte. And, and the problem with that show was like, there were like 600 people there. Right. So I thought, wow. This is what's going to happen at every single show. <laughs> it didn't happen since, <laughs> but the first show I ever did was three and a half hours. And I went off stage and I was like, I can't do that. Like, I remember when people said, like, they saw Rollins play and he played for three hours. I'm like, who can watch somebody talk for three hours? <laughs> I edited the show quite a bit, but it's still about two and a half hours. And there's like a little 10 minute intermission in the, in the back. But I keep on, you know, I keep on thinking like, OK, I got to edit this show down. I don't have to do two and a half hours. If I did an hour and 15, people would be happy. Sure. But I don't know what to take out because there's so much stuff. And, and, you know, even through touring and even through seeing, talking to friends of mine, you know, I keep on getting more and more stories that I, I, I forgot about. Like, you know, I went to go see Cold Chamber play last night and Des, who's the singer of Cold Chamber and sure. singer of Devil Driver, Des comes up to me. He's like, dude, I remember you gave me my first job when I was 17 years old. I worked at the cat house. I was your bar back. And we used to take sandwiches to Guns N' Roses because they didn't have any money. I'm like, oh, yeah, forgot. You know, like I, <laughs> now it's like, do I put that dead story in? And it's just like so much stuff keeps happening that it's it's that it, it is it, it's a long show. And, you know, for the longest time, I was like, you know, God, can people sit there for two and a half hours? I'm like, well, I do it every night. Yes, they can. <laughs> right. And if people were walking out, then obviously I'd make some changes, but they're not. Right so uh, real quick, I'm going to get my fanboy moment out of the way here and then get to a question I wanted to ask you. But, um, dude, I, I in the late 80s, when you were doing the Headbangers Ball, I was like 11, 12, 13, like, and all them videos and shit is how I learned to teach myself guitar and bass and drums. And I've been a musician ever since. And. Some of my all-time favorite memories as a kid were waiting for my dad to go to bed because he did not want me listening to, to hard rock, heavy metal. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to play some you know, Nintendo or some shit. And I'd be waiting a little bit till I knew he was asleep here and snoring. And then it was like, turn the TV on, get up real close so I didn't have to put it up loud and fucking headbangers ball, man. It was the best. So that Well, was two things. First of all, thank you. Okay, three <laughs> things. And the biggest misconception is I wasn't on TV in the 80s. I started January 1990. I had done a couple fill-in spots, or not even a fill-in spot, like a guest spot on Adam Curry's show. Right. But everyone's like, dude, I used to watch you in the 80s. I was like, do what? Because Headbangers Ball started in the 90s. Oh, shit. But, but, yeah. but the 80s went till about 94, let's be honest. Yeah. So it's still in the 80s. And, you know, one thing that we don't have these days 
is something like that is you know i used to go when people go up and tell me you know i used to sneak into the room and and people have a story how they consumed the headbangers ball mm-hmm. and for some of these people it was like their one of their acts of rebellion they would go in the room they'd hide from their parents they would, you know they weren't allowed to watch it i was like like that when people tell me that that's like the nicest thing you could you can hear because you don't have that today because like I'll go see a band play and I'll see parents and their kids in the pit, you know? Yeah. So it's such a different thing, but you know, I would, it, it makes me feel better than if, you know, people said, dude, I used to watch you in the nineties. Me and my mom would sit together and watch the headbangers ball, <laughs> you know, which we get yeah. that too, which is pretty cool. But I like that. We were like what young kids form of rebellion, you know, back in early 90. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, Getting back to the show that you're doing right now, I mean, as you said, like you hadn't done a show until 10 months ago. So this is very, very new for you. So what was that creative process like to come up with this? Was it literally just I'm going to get up there and tell stories and come up with a list or, or was there more to it than that? Um, it, it's sort of, you know, my whole life pretty much, I've always wanted to be on stage. And when you're hanging out with this group of this small group of people and in everybody in my small group wants to be on stage and then they become guns and roses and faster pussycat and you see all your friends are like huge rock stars and i i always go to shows and said like god i would love to do that and i like to talk obviously i like to talk and you know i've told people some of the stories that a lot of people don't know about you know when i was a drug dealer when i went to jail for fighting a couple times and and what happened when i lost everything and was broke and of course allison chains in the water park and axel and david bowie and all these stories and people are like why don't you write a book and i'm like yeah i'll probably get to it one day and then i figured what do i just tell people these stories and the way i do things like i don't like to do anything like halfway so i did it and then i started adding video and then i started adding slides and then i you know that was nostalgic but wouldn't alienate anybody and you know the stuff that they want to hear about metal and other stuff in pop culture and life that goes all the way up until now there's a lot of things that i've done that are like there's things that i say on stage that i would never tell people like it's like things that are very embarrassing but when i'm on stage i just i don't mind telling it so when you know when i did the first show it was like wow i'm sitting backstage in my own dressing room you know, this is my, like, I get to pick what gets backstage and I have my own tour shirt. And I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing. And then when I got offered four dates and I did my first out of town show in Cleveland, it was sold out and then got added, you know, eight days and then 17 days and, you know, and then four in Australia, which blows my mind. And then, you know, wrapping it up to we're in the thirties now. And, and it's still, it's, it's so incredible like I just got the tour t. Like I don't even like saying that. I got a tour t-shirt. <laughs> and so last night um, we were watching Guar, and there was somebody that had a Guar uh, concert shirt on. And I was looking at the like, and I told my wife, I'm like, look at that. Look at imagine if we did that. And she counted all the dates, and it was 37. It was the same amount of dates that I've done. I'm like, holy crap! Like, <laughs> like I've actually been on tour. And it's been difficult and it's been fun. And the truth is, after this L.A. show, I have no idea what's next. I have no idea what's next. And also to to create something new and be on tour in a van at my age, it's like people don't do stuff like that. You know, I'm supposed to be relaxing. And instead, you know, I've got a 900 mile drive from where was the 900 mile drive is from Houston to Tucson, I think. 
900 miles. I sold my car and bought a damn minivan so I could do this too. <laughs> so, Driving so, 60 miles an hour, right? Right. <laughs> in, a mini. in the minivan. But it's, I know this is going to sound weird, but as far as minivans go, it's kind of a cool minivan it's like like that battleship gray with black you're what? trying to justify stop it yeah. <laughs> halfway through that discussion chris i was like starting to talk about it and i'm like just just stop ricky just stop <laughs> how cool your minivan is and it's and it's lame and it's like but that's what and that's you know i can't have a garage full of cars so i Sold a Porsche to get a minivan, you know, yeah, like going through and that's my only car now. Nice. <laughs> Go ahead, John. So, so do you find yourself with this show as you've gotten more and more comfortable? Do you find yourself slipping into stories you might not have planned to tell because you're, you're getting so comfortable doing it? Do you just find yourself all of a sudden, oh shit, I blurted this out. I guess I got to roll with it. Absolutely. I mean, I've said shows. I remember one show that was in that was in Saint Charles. I believe Illinois, which is this really cool place called the Club Arcata, I think. And I was doing a show there, and somebody had said something about Nikki Six, and I'm like, "Don't get me started." And, whoa, whoa, whoa. and then I started telling these stories about Nikki, and I'm like, "Oh my God, why am I telling this story? It's, this is so wrong." And then I just said, Fuck it. I just kept on telling the stories, and and things go like I don't want people to be interactive. It's not like yelling every sentence or guess who I'm talking about, but sometimes things happen. And I like to roll with the punches and I like to see where it's going to go. And and sometimes things go in different directions, as people will see when they go to the show. And uh, I think people are going to be surprised because it is I mean, there's parts of the show that are almost like a play. You know, I'm sitting in my room discovering, you know, Deep Purple Machine Head and talking about the first time I heard saw the motley crew live wire and buying an album cover with a pentagram and all these right. things talk about all that stuff and kind of act it out as a kid and then i talk about all the stuff that happened with the cat house and guns and guns and roses and and mtv and and everything after right on man well ricky um you know doing doing this and and telling your stories you know, I, I've written books, and I've written books, personal books about myself. And like you, I blurted out way too much shit, you know, way too much stuff that I've been called on for that. What have you blurted out that you wish you could pull back, that you wish, oh, man, I wish I didn't have that out there? Anything? Yeah, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I was going to say, he's not going to repeat it. <laughs> not going to put it back up there? Here's the thing. I mean, I will tell you that august 13th is going to be the difficult show for me because it's in hollywood right. where everything started where i grew up and there's people in the audience that were part of all my stories okay. and there was one band in particular that i checked to see if they were on tour because i hope they were because i kind of would have felt weird if one of the guys was there but it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not pulling any punches. I'm, I know the Hermosa Beach show my parents are going to be at. And here I'm talking about crystal meth and porn star girlfriends, and my parents are sitting there. But they know some of it, and I'm not going to pull anything back. I mean, I, the truth is, if I'm telling the truth, it doesn't matter. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there to talk smack about anybody because I found – I mean, in the very first show I did, the three-and-a-half-hour show, I said some pretty ruthless things about people. And even though it was kind of like really messed up what these people did – I didn't get anything out of it. And I looked at the audience and they were like, oh, but they'd rather hear like the funny stories and, you know, 
to hear people laugh is really cool. And so there's things that I that I left out, but there's some stories and people that that are in some of these stories that you would never guess in a million years are mentioned in my show. I mean, most people wouldn't think that the singer of Devil Driver was my bar back, you know? Right. So there's there's just a lot of and it, it's not like, ooh, look at me, look at the life I've had. It's just I'm realizing like I'm I'm basically Forrest Gump. It's like I just happen to be living in all these places that unfortunately I didn't realize how cool it was. Like we always think about the Sunset Strip and Hollywood scene. That was the coolest thing of all time. And it was really cool. But what you have to understand is it was how we were living. Like right. it's just like, wow, you guys get to go out and get drunk and meet girls every night. Yeah, yeah that's cool. But that's what we did like all the time. And it was just, that was it. We didn't realize we, we definitely, we didn't realize that we lived in such a magical time and absolutely didn't realize that it was only a short, like, you know, that four sure. ish or something, things are going to slow down, which is, it's good. It did. Cause we all would have been dead. Right. But, um, it's, 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 it's pretty incredible. And, you know, I find things, because I didn't take pictures. Hey, take a picture of this bad. I really didn't do that very often. But I, I recently just found a book that I had that when I was doing, I think it was a radio show or a headbangers ball that I just said, Hey, sign this when you sit down. And I started looking at it. I'm like, Oh my God, like, you know, the dime bag and all these different, I mean, so many people were signed this book and I was like, I forgot all about this. You know, it's just, I've been very, very blessed to be in just some incredible sure. moments. You know, and, and that's, you know, and again, this is just fanboy me saying this, but I think that's the charm of you, which makes you still relevant today. Because if you would have gone, I don't know, the Eddie Trunk route, and I'm not pointing at him as a negative, but Eddie Trunk sells Eddie Trunk always. And you've never been that guy. You've always been like, well, I, think, well, I don't think you ever were really, I mean, you never were like, hey, it's a headbangers ball with me, goddammit. I mean, you were never that guy. But I'm the first one to post on social media by a Ricky Rackman's cat house shirt. Yeah, okay, but <laughs> no, that, that's what I know. I know. And, you know. And, and, and you guys are being very, very cool. But, you know, while people are watching this show saying, well, I know there were a lot of haters, I'm the first one to say that I know that I did and still have a lot of haters because of whether it was my hair or whether it was how can I play Slaughter if I like Slayer and vice versa. So I took a lot of crap that I wasn't deserved and I took a lot of crap for certain things that I did deserve. But the one thing is, I hope that I've never ever, there's one word that I never use and I've never described anybody. I mean, I have people that have gone to five shows. I've got people that have got Ricky Rackman tattoos, OFITG. Ta one girl's got one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold, tattooed on her forearm. That's her only tattoo. I'm, but nice. I've never, ever called anybody a fan. Right. I am on the same level as everybody else. And I know that sounds really like, yeah, bull. But I do these things before my shows called BFIs, where 12 people get to come before the shows and we hang out, we sit at a table, I'll take pictures if you want, I'll sign whatever you want, and we just, just kind of hang out. And I know that there's certain bands that don't like doing these, quote, meet and greets, which mine isn't. I just hang out with you. We just hang out. There's 12 of us. We hang out at a table. And when I leave that and then I get into my dressing room, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Because there's people that it makes, hey, if there's people that showed up early and that are happy to meet me, that makes me feel really good. So when I'm sitting there, I can't wait to get on stage and, 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 and share with these people. So 
You know, I mean, it's not all hippity dippity shit, but it's still when you get that positivity of people that appreciate what you did or, or have questions, it makes you feel good. And the reason I've never said, but like I could say, like, I really want to thank you fans for showing up. When I hear somebody say that, it's like you fans, like you're down there. It's like, look, we're here. You know, I go to see shows like you go to see shows. I've had some great jobs. I've had, you know, but but we're here and I've always not tried to give that attitude out. It's just the way I truly, truly am. You know, I tell people, and this happens all the time, that I'll get things like, dude, I saw you at so-and-so and I didn't want to bug you. Listen, if you see me somewhere, and as long as I'm not eating or taking a shit, okay, or pissing, <laughs> I'm not going to the bathroom and I'm not eating, please say, dude, I, I like that episode on Headbangers Ball or this I love that stuff. People think that I don't like it. When, I mean, it ha- doesn't happen like it used to, but when it happens, I love it. It makes me feel good. You know, it happened at the show a bunch of times last night, and I love that. So I've always felt like I'm just a rock fan. I just had a camera in front of me or a microphone in front of me. Right on. That, that kind of leads into something that I wanted to ask you about because you, you mentioned the uh, VFI package that you're doing on the tour. Very fucking important. And what I think it's $150, isn't it? Isn't that the cost? I think I, I saw that. So, you know, a lot of these bands are doing these paid meet and greets these days. And obviously on the road and you're, you're on tour, as you said, you know, that is a way to make the money on the road. You know, for bands, it makes up for lack of record sales and all that. But, I mean, you do have touring costs and you charge $150 for these things. But you made the decision to cap this at 12 people per show when you no. could easily sell more. Every other show except for these have always been 10. I just wow, added okay. it to make it 12. It's always been 10 and okay. they were sold out and I made it at 12. And, 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 and understand that when I charge 150, not only do we hang out before the show, but they also get um, a tour t-shirt. They get a poster from the very first show signed. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a good seat. We hang out. They get a laminated pass. I mean, I'm still spending money getting them things because I felt guilty. Char- you know, my shows are 25 bucks. Yeah. I felt guilty doing this kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is there is no chance in hell I would have been able to do this. Venues take a percentage of my merchandise sales. And people mm-hmm. know, you know, I, you know, I own cathousehollywood.com that I sell cat house shirts, headbangers, ball shirts. I've been doing that for years. And I've always kept my prices low. And then when I go to a venue and they want like 20% of my merch, I'm like, holy crap. So I've got to find ways. Something I did on this show that I was very, very wary of doing was, and there's two reasons why I did it. I did something called the road crew and I sold one pass for each show. And I said for 250 bucks, you're going to get, you're going to show up right when you load in, you're going to help us load in. (laughs) you're going to help me switch stuff, put my stuff on the stage. You're going to get to introduce me. You're going to have dinner with me, Leah and Karen. Cool. And you're going to be road crew and you can watch the show from wherever you want. And, and the, there's a couple reasons is like, everybody's like, you mean people are going to pay to work on your show? I'm like, look, we carry in a couple things of t-shirts. I have a mic stand. It's not really that much. And we're just going to, it's just, it's just me and this guy or girl working the whole time. And with the exception of Tucson, which had to get returned, Tucson's the only one that has one of those available. And 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 I buy dinner for them. We're sitting and eating dinner and it's just me and, and the, the two other people that work with me. And they're gonna be on the road crew. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's the stupidest thing you could do. 
And the reason I did it is, yes, it, it pays, L pays expensive, but also I don't have to find somebody road crew. And all it is is like, you know, at intermission, turn my set list and tape it on the monitor or, you know, help with this. It's not work and it's hanging out and uh, it's great. It's like, it's, yeah. it's fun. You know, I, I've, I've heard from so many people that have gone to bands meet and greets. And that's why I wanted to call it VFI instead of meet and greet is they go to bands meet and greets and they spend all this money and they take a picture like click next, click next. Yeah. I mean, there was one band that did it behind plexiglass. You know, I'm like, oh, like <laughs> you're going to, you're, you're going to, whether you like it or not, understand if you get my VFI pass, you're going to get in there a half an hour before doors open and you're just, we're going to be sitting and take, I'll take any pictures you want. I'll sign whatever you want. And we're just going to hang out. You can ask me, it could be a Q and a and, and 12 people is two more than I've done for any other shows. It was always 10. And that, and and that, that was going to be, yeah, that, that was going to be my question. Like, obviously you could sell more of these so you could make more money, but you're, you're not doing that. You're capping it. So talk a little bit about that. Cause there's not, I, I don't know. I don't know any bands that are doing that. They're going to, as many people that will buy it, that's how many they're going to sell. And you are, you are not going that route. If you're sitting at a table with 30 people, it's not the same. You know, when you're sitting with like a dozen people, it's like the way we are right now. We're just hanging out. We're just talking. We're just doing this. We're doing that. You know, I I mean, there's a lot of people that follow me on social media and I meet these people and they're like, oh, yeah, this. And they're like, oh, check out this picture when I got to meet, you know, this person. And we're just sitting at a table. And if I had more than 12 and there's and let's be honest, there's also shows where they haven't sold out yet, that there are tickets for avail. It isn't easy to sell tickets these days for anything. Especially something they don't even know what it is. And, uh, but if I had more than 12, it wouldn't have been the same. You know, it wouldn't have been the same. Like for Hollywood, I didn't even have a road crew, even though I could have, because they all sold out instantly because I didn't, I didn't want to worry about making sure this person has fun. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It's like every show, if you pay 250 for a road crew, I personally want to make sure that you're having a good time and you leave. I mean, People can say whatever they want about me and I get, I've heard it all. But if you go to my show, you are going to have a good time. You're going to leave and say, I doubted it. I mean, I've had people that weren't even into metal that went that said they had a great time. And that's, that's pretty flattering as well. The trip is when I went to Australia, which I love that country and I sold out Sydney and I was on stage and I said, you guys, so do you guys get headbangers ball? And they're like, no, I'm like, you didn't get headbangers ball in Australia. They're like, no, no, no. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, why are you? Here? <laughs> and because they they'd heard of the Cat House, and they always wondered why, you know, whenever they looked in certain albums, my name was always in it. And they, the Cat House legacy, believe it or not, is is definitely worldwide. Oh yeah. And it was it was stuff like that. So Australia was really fun. It was really really fun. Like that, I never ever would have imagined. Right on, man. Well, well, Ricky, um, let me ask you a couple questions, not necessarily related to the show, but just okay. in general things. Um, you, um, you returned to TV of sorts um, with the, the documentary of Class Action Park. What do, you, what do you remember about that? And do you remember it being at all this crazy, dangerous, someone's going to die moment that, it, that they portrayed it as? I will tell you this. I found a video of all the raw footage that was sent that day. Oh, it was wow. unedited. And I, I talk about that 
in my show because that show, you know, when you think, what was your favorite show? It was when Ricky was with Dio. Oh, it's got to be Hanging Metallica or Slayer or Skid. No, the number, people's number one episode of Headbangers Ball was Allison Chains at the water park because it was, it was what I do best. I goof around. I don't really care who the engineer of your album was or the producer. I want to have fun. I want to find out who you are and let's, we'll talk about music. I mean, that's the biggest difference you can see in the Headbangers Ball that I hosted in the first two years when I had cards. And then, and then I was like, when I listen to a record, if I don't want to know where it was engineered i want to hang out with these guys and go bowling with chris cornell or you know right. get on a boat with metallica or whatever so the water park was crazy and we had no it was not until i saw the movie class action park that i knew that this was a place that people died and i remember sitting on a chairlift with i don't know if it was jerry or lane and we're going up this chairlift and there's a water slide that had a loop on it and i was like and they're like, no, that's that's closed down because somebody broke their nose. I'm like, who the hell makes a water slide with a loop in it? I, have, <laughs> I, I So I did research on Action Park and research on that loop. And I tell all that stuff in my show. So so it's that kind of stuff. And I have footage of the Alice in Chains water park because that is a show that so many people liked. Sure. And it's my favorite. I mean, if you say what was my favorite episode of Headbangers Ball? Yeah, it was really cool meeting, you know, Dio and, and meeting, you know, Brian Johnson and Angus Young, but the most fun I ever had was the water park with Allison Chains. So I, cool. I go in, I talk about that a lot in my show. Cool. So, so you, you weren't stupid enough to ride any of that shit then, correct? <laughs> oh, wrong. I wrote it all. I did everything. <laughs> I did everything. Right. The one thing we didn't do was the Alpine slide, which okay. I'm very. Now, did, did you guys ever go to Action Park? I know it was did, it no. was closed, but I've yeah. I've read a book about it. I've seen a couple different documentaries on it, so I'm. I'm pretty familiar with all that stuff it's 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 ridiculous it's absolutely amazing i mean this alpine slide like everybody would go on these rides and they get these scrapes these big gnarly red scrapes and then jump in the pool and it's like ah yep. so thank god the alpine slide wasn't open at the time but i've got some footage of what we did in those rafts that you're like holy crap and it just shows like like i'm not a guy that was i mean you know i jumped out of airplanes on headbangers ball i'd do anything on headbangers ball to make the show fun Right. And we just we took advantage of Action Park. <laughs> right on, man. Well, dude, you tried to bring back the ball a few what, two years ago, I guess it was, two, three yeah. years ago. I I'm gonna be honest, I was excited about it, except for that you couldn't find it. It wasn't on it, you know, it, it just seemed like it was done wrong, and that's you know, uh, Again, looking back, because I listened, I I listened to the first episode, the one episode that you did, and I was like, okay, when is the next one? No one knew what happened there. I've you know people stop me all the time and say you should bring back Headbangers Ball, and what people don't understand it's it's frustrating when people always say like bring back Headbangers Ball, not knowing that nobody wants a Headbangers Ball back more than I do. And I've said many times I'll do it for free. I don't care. I just like doing that show. So I decided to. I talked to a, there was an app called Gimme Metal. Right. Mm -hmm. And no surprise, it's not around anymore. But um, I said I wanted to do a show called The Ball. And I wanted to pick every video, which also irritated some people because it wasn't the videos that they thought I would be picking. I mean, sure. I tried to play a little bit of everything, but it was a lot of, there were a lot of new bands that, that people hadn't heard of. 
you know, and a lot of heavy stuff. And I got to pick all the guests. So I'd have, you know, Mickey D from Motorhead, Mark Morn from Lamb of God, the guys in Death Angel, Brian Pussain. I mean, I would do all these shows and I would pick every video. And then I would take a phone and have my wife film it while I would cut intros. And we did crazy stuff. Like we would do stuff called the Cartoon Pit, where it was me and my wife wearing skeleton onesies and we would eat breakfast cereal and we'd talk about the and we'd play a cartoon video, a video <laughs> that was animated. And then I did stuff called Reverend Ricky, where I was in front of a church in a reverend outfit and I would take a lyric and, and say it like it was a sermon, like, you know, whatever, you know, right. I did walk Pantera. And I did goofy shit all the time. And but I did all of it. So I was editing it. And what takes some people a day to edit takes me like five days to edit and it's still crappy. But I was such a perfectionist because I wanted this show to be so good. And you know what? The show was good, but I can't post it because of the music videos. But I have a feeling that I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Put it up there and just put the ball. It was right before I cut. It was. And that was the other thing. Like everybody talks about my hair. When I did the ball two years ago, my hair was like down to here. It was just as long as it was back in the headbangers ball days. I just got fed up with it because I ride motorcycles all the time and I just cut it off and decided to have a 50 something year old Mohawk. And, um, but the ball was fun and the ball was good. And I I'd like to, I might just start posting them or something because the show was good. And there was, I think the music was good. And sometimes it was songs that I didn't necessarily like, but it was like, it was the headbangers ball. I mean, there is no doubt it was headbanger heavy metal music without a doubt. And nice. it was so fun, but, but, you know, you're doing stuff and, you know, there's, I've had a lot of jobs that I've put a lot of effort into. And the way I know is when people say, yeah, I really liked you on the cat house Hollywood podcast. Or I really liked you when you were in that show, whatever that show is, I forgot what it's called, but it's on Paramount right now. Okay. <laughs> that no. narrows it down to about a thousand. <laughs> it's a brand new show. Okay. It talks like a bunch of, and I don't use the word hair metal. I hate that freaking word. Right. But it's those type of bands. And I got interviewed and, and people say, oh, I saw you on that show. It was really cool. And that show, the show, they did a great job on that show. But there's also shows that I've been on and that, like, like I don't ever get stopped and said, dude, I saw you on Access TV. <laughs> right. So, so it, it just goes to show me the things that, that people watch. And the ball was great, but it didn't do anything. Yeah, that's And the main reason, like what you said, Chris, is the main reason is it was just too hard to find. You couldn't see it. And it was, I mean, like we'd sit there when it was, when it was on and we would put, you know, you'd, I'd have it on my phone and stream it on my phone to my TV because nobody wants to sit and watch a, sh- a two-hour show on their phone. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, so, but I tried. I really tried. Oh yeah. Well, if you ever want to bring it back, I do have a TV network, our little <laughs> streaming TV network. I'd be glad to put it on. That's the problem is you can't get the um, you can't get the rights. The to licensing, yeah, the licensing is always a nightmare, especially digital. For some reason, you play it on the radio all day long and nobody complains, but you stream it well, because the radio. Say, well, here's the other thing: nobody listens to radio anymore. That's true. Too. I mean, I heard cars are coming out and they're not going to have radios in them. Yeah, just have like a. Uh, Bluetooth or whatever. I mean, I will tell you, you know, when I do Eddie Trunk show, Mm -hmm. which I'm actually doing Wednesday, when I do Eddie Trunk show, people talk to me all the time. Oh, yeah, I heard you on Eddie's show. I heard you on Eddie's show. So even though Eddie and I listen to, I mean, I think we couldn't be more opposite. Sure. 
but that's not that's in no way an insult because when I do my shows, he could have totally said, no, I don't want Ricky Rackman on my show. But when I go out on road to promote my shows, he always lets me on his show. That's cool. And he's really cool. And, you know, we like different types of music. We like a lot of the same music, but I tend to be into more heavier stuff than he is. Sure. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, the way I say it is like, you know, Eddie is really good at what he does. And Eddie studied broadcasting and Eddie was in the radio and Eddie did all these things and he does a great job. And I like, you know, woke up in the gutter with piss on myself. You know, I didn't, I was never professional, but you know, you know, anybody that's out there talking about hard rock is good. Is yep. there, you know, you got Jose Magnin and you've got Mark Striegel and you've got all these people sure. that, that I believe, you know, Mark Mark Striegel was very helpful in talking about my show, and he showed up at my show at the Starland Ballroom, which was you know, and he was just a great guy. So I mean, I like anybody. I like you guys because you're talking about my show. Anybody talking about my show, I like. <laughs> very good, man. Well, Ricky, obviously, man, uh, the show is one foot in the gutter. There's what eight or nine shows left. Well, on the- what I'm going to do now. All right. Is- Put on my old man glasses. There we go. And re- oh, that's what you guys look like. No, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe take those off again. Let me put you full screen so you don't have to look at us. Here you go. There you go. Is that better? No, because I'd rather look at you guys than look at me. It's like whenever I do stuff like on on social media or stuff like I don't put makeup on. I don't do anything. And I look, I'm like, like I, I forget. Sometimes that I'm an old man, <laughs> I forget it sometimes, and then I look at myself on TV and I'm like, Oh my god, I forgot. But anyway, uh, August 2nd, I'm in New Orleans at the House of Blues, August 4th, I'm in Houston, Texas at the House of Blues, August 5th, I'm doing a matinee at three o'clock in Austin, Texas, and come and take it live. And the reason that I'm doing the matinee is because after my show, they clear it. And then they open up for extreme dwarf wrestling. So, nice. so I'm definitely going to be staying. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Same. So I'm going to be staying for that. And then uh, I got a show in Dallas, August 6th. And then I drive 900 miles to Tucson at the Marquee, August 8th. Tempe, Arizona. Tempe's going to be great because I used to do the cat house in Tempe. And, sure. and, and Arizona just rocks. And then August 11th, I'm in Hermosa Beach at State Rock. And then the following show is August 13th in Hollywood, which is going to be a, a very interesting show. And, and I'm really nervous about that show. <laughs> nice. Dude, you, you just reminded me of one last question, then I'll let you get out of here. I'm but, good. I'm good. Okay, cool. Well, then, you you mentioned wrestling, and I'm a, as giant a wrestling fan as there is, and John is too. Yep. But you were part of WCW in what I'll call the bad years of WCW. I mean, I was, disagree. Come on, man. <laughs> you were like after the good NWO when they had like everybody was in the NWO something. Wolfpack or... Did Kevin Nash. We had Scott Hall. Scott yeah, but it was Reiner. it was after it. I don't know. To me, it was... it was. I'm not downplaying you. I'm just saying you were in there, what, 98, 99 time frame? I worked the very last WCW event. Okay, what, 2001? Really? Yeah, I think it was something like it was, it was around the way, the way I remember things like I remember 2001 because when Dale Earnhardt died. Right. So that's so it was around the same time and uh you know, that was something that I never got to do 
what I wanted to do. Like I always wanted to be a wrestling manager I okay. because I'm really easy to get people to hate me. And I always wanted to be a wrestling manager, but you know, instead I'm doing spring break for WCW telling kids about tough acting to acting. So, <laughs> you know, it was great. And I kept on trying to work my way into storylines, but it just, it never, it never really played out. But that was when, I mean, WCW was still selling tickets yeah. and, we were, and the Monday night wars were just like, you know, the Monday Night Wars were just gnarly because mm-hmm. you know, everybody was trying to outdo each other. And, you know, with I think it was was it was it D-Generation that one time went to the WCW. Yeah. Yep. On the show. Yeah. On, on the, the tank. Yep. <laughs> so yep. great. It was so great. I mean, I still watch wrestling. And uh, do you watch you know, AEW or no? I watch both. OK. Um Okay, I'm gonna. If we're gonna talk a little wrestling, yeah, we can talk wrestling all yeah. all night. I'm in. You're never gonna believe. You're never gonna believe who one of my truly one of my best friends is. That I mean, I talked to him 20 minutes ago, okay. and he's at my house, and we go out on the lake all the time. Is Charles Robinson? The oh, the, the ref. Yeah, yeah. Charles is, is one of. He was at my wedding. You know, I, I love Charles. Now, I also like Chris Jericho a lot. I like. Sure. I liked. Um, I think MJF is one of the best in the game. He's fun. Yes. He's the, he's he's great. But my problem with AEW, and I know that a lot of people, and I think that you're you're probably both of you guys are going to disagree with me on this because everybody knows I'm the furthest thing from this Pollyanna. Like happy, everything's nice. I mean, I mm-hmm. like music and I like bad shit, but I don't like blood. And there's so much, really? and I don't like people falling in thumbtacks and fluorescent tubes. And I don't like that. And it's not because I'm squeamish because I like horror more than anything else. I also don't like excessive swearing in wrestling when I swear all the time. Sure. Because I want kids to watch wrestling. And I don't, I don't, also don't like, and the one little weird pet peeve that I have of wrestling, I don't like when wrestlers say, I'm going to kill you. I don't like that. You know, right. and it's stupid. And the other thing that I don't like now is now it's, there's no effort put forward to keep the storylines going after the show like right now you'll see a big this guy hates this guy and then you'll see him doing selfies together no i don't right that. in the old days it wasn't like that and in the old days you would never see the baby face and the heel hanging out together you mm-hmm. know they kept it going all the time and that's why you know i want my i want believability in my fantasy sure yes i, I do watch AEW and i watch wwe mm-hmm. and i recently went to a independent match that was really close to me and there were probably about i don't know like maybe 80 people there Those and arn anderson was there and he called me ricky nice <laughs> <laughs> the enforcer and was there. there and he acknowledged me from the stage and you know but i never thought i mean like it's things like that like people sure. talk about like you know meeting everybody it was Things like when Steven Tyler saw me somewhere and he called me Ricky or when Arn Anderson called me Ricky. Or I remember I'm a big NASCAR. I've worked in NASCAR forever. Sure. And I remember the first time I went to a racetrack and Rusty Wallace said, hey, Ricky. You know, I was like, wow, these people know my name. Like that stuff is important. You know who was really had an incredible knack of remembering people's names was Ronnie James Dio. Dude, I tell that I've story that, all yeah. the time. He knew my name and it's like. I met him once, and then like that mattered. That really yeah. mattered. Oh, and yeah. I forget, I forget everybody's name. I forget where I live. <laughs> I have no idea of anything. So 
I brought my friend Troy to go see Dio, mm-hmm. and and he I, I I told him I'm like Ronnie, this is my friend Troy. He's a big fan. He's like, oh yeah, thanks. And so after the show, we were backstage, and Ronnie James Dio goes, so tell me, Troy, what did you think about the show? I'm like, that is the coolest rock star in the world. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. That is so cool for him to remember my friend's name and then ask him what he thought about the show. Like, like that's what it's all about. Yeah, Have dude, you- I, I tell the story about Dio all the time. I met him once. It, it was the worst time. I, I used to write for a magazine, and I wrote just a horrible review of Angry Machines because I hated that record. And, and I, I mean, I, I think the quote was, seeing Dio now is like watching Lyle Alzado die. I mean, it was like, it was... It was really brutal. <laughs> I'd and, love to see what you say about some of the bands that are playing now. Uh, dude, I well, oh, I love the heavy oh stuff, too. I love the heavy stuff, but I, I will attack. That no, the is old sure. bands. The old bands oh, are not touring. Well, yeah, some of them are just, just need to stop. You know, I, I mean, they really do. I, I get it. They got to make their money. But Jesus, stop just already. But, but the thing with Dio, I'll just swing it back to Dio real quick. With Dio, he... I get on the phone with him to do a phoner and he says to me, he goes, he goes, well, maybe you didn't understand. He reads me back my own review and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get hung up on by the greatest singer of all time. But he goes, well, maybe you just didn't understand. And he tried to explain it to me and yeah, I never did get it. I still think that album stinks. But at the end of the, of the talk, he invites me down to the show like a month later or whatever. I go down I meet him. He's the nicest guy. I meet Wendy. He introduces me to Jimmy Page, who just happened to be playing the next night you across beat me. the street. You beat me. You just Dude, me. It was it was insane. So now fast forward, I don't know, seven, eight years or something. And I'm good friends with Rip Rowans. I'm here in Cleveland, so I know Tim. And Beyond Fear had toured with Dio. So Tim, I, I met at a show and he's like, Hey, you want to go and talk to me? Dio This is when heaven and hell was touring. And I was like, yeah, sure. I come walking in eight years later. Dio looks at me, he goes, Chris Aiken. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This guy just remembered me eight years later. And it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's just, just a crazy, that guy's memory was insane. If I saw you tomorrow, I'd forget you. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my problem. I have, I have really, it's amazing the things that I remember. Like if, if me and my wife were watching a TV show and then I watch it the ne- another one the next day, I'm like, I don't remember what happened yesterday. Right. I remember like what whiskey tastes like. I remember certain things that happened at the club very vividly, but some things I just can't remember. Right on. I'm with you on that, man. Well, dude, what I do think people need to remember, one foot in the gutter, on tour, there's there's a few more dates remaining. We Thanks. read the dates um, a couple minutes ago. Where should we tell people to go to keep up with you, keep up with tour dates, keep up with potentially new tour dates? Should you decide to do it again? I don't think so, but I don't know. Um, the beauty is I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm sitting here. And in, in this, I had this discussion tonight. I've been a, I've been a hustler my whole life. I've always right. been a hustler when, from when I was selling cars in the two thousands to when I had the cat house. And after the last show, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and my wife is like, you know, she's like, which is by the way, my, my wife is Leah Vendetta, great famous tattoo artist. Yeah, Ink masters, yeah. masters is the best. 
and she's not even here right now. I'm not, I'm still saying it, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, and she always says like, something's going to come up. You always make something come up. And I'm like, but what's going to come up? Like I'm old. I don't know what to do. She goes, just wait, something's going to come up. So the truth of the matter is I don't know what's next, but, but what I'm going to do, which I don't do ever is I'm going to appreciate where I am right now. And I'm really going to appreciate these shows because these are the most fun I have. And the, and the only thing that's going to make me feel better is if more of you buy tickets to my show and go to cathousehollywood.com, go to cathousehollywood.com. You can buy Cathouse Coffee, which is not a licensing deal. It's a real coffee company that me and my wife own. Cathouse Headbangers Ball Shirts. And you can get tickets to One Foot in the Gutter. And, of course, I'm on all social media. But I don't know how long I'll be on Twitter. <laughs> you're not going to – you're not staying with X? I like the name better. I just don't – <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, people are angry everywhere. They're just yeah. angry everywhere. People bitch at me about, like, people go out of their way to be mad about absolutely anything. Like, I just bought a new motorcycle. I mean, right. I've, I ride more than anybody. Sure. I just bought a new motorcycle and I bought a Triumph. And just for, and I show this picture, this Triumph, which Triumph is a cool motorcycle. Sure. You know? And this guy goes, sell that piece of shit, buy a Harley. I'm like, <laughs> What? You know, people just love saying stupid stuff. You know, I, I, I hope people know that when they're 55 years old and they're still commenting about my hair, they look kind of pathetic. Right. You know? It's like, dude, oh, you're such a hat. I'm like, motherfucker, I'm still having the time of my life. I'm yeah. old. I got everything I want. And you, pathetic human being, are calling me out. Exactly. Like, and they don't follow me. You know, I don't go to the grocery store and go to the condiment department and go, Hey mayonnaise, I hate you. I just stay <laughs> it's like people look for something to not yeah. like and then voice their opinions on it. Exactly. Uh, and I'm bringing the cat house Hollywood podcast back too. Oh, very good, oh, man. Awesome. Can't wait okay. for that. That when, when do you have a timeline or no? Maybe I'll put, I mean, there's, I'm going to remix the four episodes that are there now. And then I'm just going to start releasing a bunch of older ones. But because um, there's ones that people didn't even hear. I just took them sure. down for some reason. I mean, um, but then I'm just going to start recording and I'm going to change it. I'm going to be more open to all kinds of things, not just what happened at the cat house to what people were doing in the 80s in the East Coast to what, you know, maybe a tattoo show. Maybe who knows? Who knows? Right on. <laughs> it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Exactly. <laughs> well, One Foot in the Gutter is uh, going on for uh, starts on august the 2nd it runs for 13 days um make sure you go if it's anywhere near you and ricky uh it's been fun man thanks for uh it's been a lot of fun thank you very much all right ricky Ricky. take care nice to meet you man bye guys all right take care 